This content is only for adults. This is a special world report with a friend of Megagoria. Well, we have the church saying some things that are troubling because we follow not what we've taught in the past, but what we want to create. There's something that took place eight months ago that is just now coming to light, and it's called the letter to the bishops regarding the new revision of number 2267 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church on the death penalty from the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, August 2nd. 2018. So how do we know about this now? What happened eight months ago? Because this past week, Pope Francis aroused more controversy and became even more explicit in his apparent belief that the death penalty is always and everywhere wrong. And it's reported that is in the case of while, frankly, Pope Francis acknowledges that the church has not taught this in the past. So how do we come to this teaching now? Pope Francis justifies his changes of the catechism, citing St. Vincent of Lorenz, and Pope Francis expresses this, of this 5th century French monk, St. Vincent, of how to explain that we can grow in faith and explain things better and also grow in moral understanding and always be faithful to the roots. In other words, the awareness of faith and morals can be strengthened through the years and expanded over time. So, Pope Francis says, quote, This is how we understand, for example, that today we have removed the death penalty from the catechism of the Catholic Church. So, what Pope Francis is advocating is just the opposite. St. Vincent was unmistakably against novelties in doctrine, by which he meant teachings that were not true developments, but reversals of what the Church has taught in the past. So Pope Francis, using St. Vincent to justify what he's doing, is completely in error. Vincent was against these novelties of changing things, that if you taught that in the past, it has to stay in the past. St. Vincent absolutely bared down that Catholics must avoid novelties or even reinterpretation of past doctrine, and that when some new teaching or reinterpretation seems to conflict with antiquity, we must cling to antiquity. A Dominican theologian who spoke with Lifeside News on the condition of anonymity. Why is, why is that? Why does he not want to be known? Because of what he's about to say. He says, regarding Pope Francis' recent comments on the death penalty, quote, on capital punishment, Pope Francis unfortunately continues to talk as if he can justify putting himself in contradiction with the teachings of the church by speaking of development. And that's the argument of Pope Francis. We have come into a moment of enlightenment where we can change things because we know better now. Everything's different. In a letter of August 2nd, 2018, it states, If in fact the political and social situation of the past made the death penalty an acceptable means for the protection of the common good, today the increasing understanding that the dignity of a person is not lost even after committing 
the most serious crimes. You might think, where am I going with this? I want to blow all this out of the water because Francis is on the wrong side of the river. He continues, in the development of more efficacious detention systems that guarantee the due protection of citizens have given rise to a new awareness that recognizes the inadmissibility of the death penalty and therefore calling for its abolition. I'm going to blow that out of the water. We've got these wonderful facilities and they can make sure nobody's going to harm each other. We can protect society. This is a lie. This is why it's said it's not important to know the king it's those who serve him. So there's a clear call in this document to stop the death penalty. The statement continues. Pope Francis has reaffirmed that today capital punishment is unacceptable, however serious a condemned crime may have been. And he calls for the magisterium to bring forth a coherent development of Catholic doctrine. How do you do that? when this is not what's been taught throughout church history. Bishop Snyder says Pope Francis is contradicting a 2,000-year doctrine. And he added, this is heretical. I'm not saying that. A Roman Catholic bishop said that. How do we reconcile that the teaching on the death penalty be reformulated so as to better reflect the development of the doctrine on this point that has taken place in recent times? Because we have grown more in respect of life. Really? So that's one pope. We have another pope who contradicts this. Pope Benedict. As Joseph Cardinal Radzinger, he said this, quote, There may be legitimate diversity of opinion even among Catholics about waging war, applying the death penalty, but not, however, with regard to abortion or euthanasia. So he's saying you can't disagree with me about abortion. You can't disagree with me about euthanasia. You can be diverse on your opinion about the death penalty or war. And that's not the only time Benedict said that. He said, as Ratzinger, Catholics can argue about war and the death penalty, but not about intrinsic evil of abortion or marriage not being between one man and one woman. So there's a clear cut that how do you take out of the catechism legitimately, but only illegitimately, something that's been taught for 2,000 years? I'm saying this because this is why Our Lady is here. Our Lady is showing us many things, how to understand things. How do we read it? How do we look at this? You can't reconcile Pope Francis with Pope Benedict saying two different things, contradicting, and even the fear of speaking truth that this Dominican theologian says that Pope Francis is in contradiction to the teachings of the church. So where do we fall down on this? Why is this important? Because you need to understand there are major parts of a hierarchy, even on the conservative side, is duped. They don't know truth. They don't have wisdom. We see our church and where it is right now because we're following a doctrine of socialist justice and it's not coming from the church. It wasn't taught by the church. It was taught by people outside of the church for us to adopt it. In 2012, September 11th, Archbishop Chaput, a conservative, very conservative bishop, calls for the end of the death penalty. He says, quote, As children of God, we're better than this, and we need to start acting like it. We need to end the death penalty now. He said it simply does not work as a deterrent, but answers violence with violence. That implicates all citizens. In other words, we're the murderers. If we're for capital punishment, we're complicit 
to murdering the murderer. The death penalty does not heal or redress wounds, he says, because only forgiveness can do that. Forgiveness and the death penalty are two different things. And Archbishop Chaput adopts a lie that's been given to him, thinking they came up with it. That's not where it comes from. This comes from outside the church. It's an agenda. And if you're smart, you have wisdom, and you're looking at what's happening right now with the deep state, you know where this comes from. I've been wanting to write about the death penalty for a long time. I have a box. I've stored stuff. That's why I have this document here from 2012 about the archbishop's put, because I know I'd be writing about it. But because this just comes in the news now, we need to address it as children of Our Lady. How can Francis say with this new revision that because we now have an understanding of the inadmissibility of the death penalty because we grew, quote, Francis, in the light of the gospel. So now we're illuminated. Now we're so enlightened we can get rid of it. Who wants to get rid of it? Who are the people that's behind this? How do you do that? Our Lady said on the same day this document comes out, August 2nd, 2018, I looked it up because I knew the date the document came out. What did Our Lady say that day? She says this, they think, who's they? Those people are changing doctrine. They think that they can do it without directing their thoughts toward the Heavenly Father who illuminates. Our shepherds are not illuminated. They're influenced. Stalin said we had to destroy the Catholic Church. That's why we have abomination in it. That's why we have nothing being done about it. And it's still there, and it's not going to go away. It's strange that Pope Francis is quoting St. Vincent's because he was dead set against this. He condemned harshly unmistakable terms of novelties. What Francis is doing, he labeled as novelties. Quote, these new novelties in doctrine by which he meant that teachings that were not true developments, but reversals of what the church has taught in the past. So they hijacked Vincent's formulations that they can change it. This is exactly what Congress is doing. This is what the deep state is doing. This is what these people are doing all over the world. The whole left is doing this. And we're adopting that. Chaput's doing that. It's amazing to me. Our Lady does not want us to believe lying voices, even if it's coming from the pulpit. You have to recognize that. She wants us to see that. She wants us to have wisdom. So where does this come from? Who's fathered this? Where do we get mankind into humankind? Who's changing those things? Why was it always brother beforehand? And now we add sisters. Where did that come from? And now we change it. Not brothers and sisters. It's sisters and brothers. Who's putting this out? You think that just came out? When we made the first move from mankind to humankind, who initiated that? I'm asking you a question. Tell me where did it came from? How did that change in our culture? Why did it come in our culture? And why did it make changes? What was the purpose? It was to debase the authority of man. That man was put on earth first. Eve came from him. The authority of the Father comes from God the Father. And Eve reversed that. And we're changing in languages. But I want to come back to that. I want to challenge you. Where did that start? The political correctness of brother and sister didn't come on by itself. It's an agenda. And if it's an agenda... Why are you a part of that? 
listen all day long about our democracy. We got to protect our democracy. Our democracy is in trouble. Our democracy is right. We have to open our democracy to others. This is a lie. We don't have a democracy. Who is putting that out there? Why are they adopting that? Because we're not a democracy in this country. We are a republic. A republic goes by laws. A democracy goes by mob rule of the vote. I've said it. I've wrote about it. 50,000 and one can outvote 50,000 other people. Unless you have a law that neither side can vote against it. Like protecting a baby in the womb. Why do you accept this? I don't accept what Chaput's saying. I do not accept what Francis is saying. Because it doesn't come from them. You say, how dare I say that? I respect the position. And I've been through this over and over and over. I believe more in their power and who they are than what they do. So here's the bombshell. Where does it come from? This is in my box about death penalty. November 23rd, 2007. Why would I be interested in about capital punishment back then? Because I was sitting in a classroom in high school. And they were indoctrinating us. We've got to get rid of the death penalty. This is bad. It's awful. We can't do what they do. If they kill somebody, we can't kill them. And I was sitting in the classroom. How do you argue against this? And you know what came to me in school? Maybe as a junior. Maybe I was a sophomore. I don't remember what grade I was in. But it came to me. These people, all these people, every one of them who are against the death penalty has a low value of life. They don't put a price tag on life. You can kill two people, five people, 20 people, 50 people, and they want to ban and abolish the death penalty. They have a low value of life. If you can't say the most valuable thing you have is your life, and that if you take a life, you're going to pay with your life, that's the highest price you can pay. And you know what you do? If you murder one person, you get the death penalty. You have committed two murders. How is that? And that came to me in high school. You murder the person you murder, and then you have yourself killed. Because you're responsible for that, then you pay with your life. There's two murders you committed, your own. Who thinks like this? This is in the 70s, I'm thinking this. So immediately when I see Chaput, I put it in the box in 2012. Immediately in 2007, I put this in the box, knowing I'd write about this one day. And I didn't want to announce it this way. I wanted to do a book on it. I'm going to. To give all the people the correct teaching about the death penalty. So let's look at the news today. What's happening today with the deep state? What are they all doing? How we fight that? Where's the roots of this thing in the Catholic Church? Here's a Catholic newspaper. And it says this. The Human Rights Committee. Keep in mind 2007. The Human Rights Committee of the United Nations voted 99 to 52 November 15th, to approve a resolution calling for worldwide suspension of the death penalty. Why are they doing that? Why is it coming from the United Nations? That's not coming from the Catholic Church at that time. Yes, there are bishops who are fighting for it, but this is the assembly of the whole world's nations. It continues, a general assembly could vote on the measure in December. Only 25 countries carried out the executions in 2006, and 130 nations have banned the death penalty. Why? What's the purpose? Why is the United Nations so interested in doing this? It continues. On November 8th, the World Coalition Against the Death Penalty presented to the UN General Assembly President Sejong 
5 million signatures on a petition calling for a worldwide moratorium on capital executions. With that statement, remember what Francis' document relays, that there's a growing public opposition to the death penalty. So where does it come from? In other words, that brings a legitimate deference that we have to get away from it because people are signing petitions for it. The communists do this kind of stuff. Bad people do this. Use your brains. Think about this. So after it says worldwide moratorium on capital executions, it says the United States resolution will have no binding significance, but it is thought to be an important step toward pressuring countries that use capital punishment to move toward abolition. Why is the United Nations so interested in this? I got a sticky note above this that I put there in 2007, and it points to what I just read to you. And I wrote this. This is because they know what they're attempting to do with globalization, and if they fail, they might be executed. Put that underneath your hat. Don't you see what our shepherds have fallen into? Don't you see the D-State are committing treason? And they know that if they get exposed and if they failed, they'll be executed. Sarah Sanders just said this. What they're doing against the president is treason and is punishable by death. So they have to erase that because they had plans there. The United Nations has been known for a long time to do globalization. And the powers behind it, we're seeing this manifesting with Q, the Q book. All that is there. That's why that's being eliminated. And we got stew pigeons that are in the church buying into this. Oh, well, we are modern now. We can illuminate and we can do these things and, and keep people in prison because we have such ability to keep them from hurting anybody else. This is garbage. Who is this advocating to stop the death penalty? Who is it against the most? I'm asking you who are listening to this. Who do you think it's the most against? And who are they condemning the most? God, the Father of Jesus Christ, who said, man is under bondage of sin, and it cannot be erased. It's not going away. Not by 10 deaths, 100,000, 75 billion people who lived since Adam can't erase this sin. Only one person could. And the punishment for it that was required by God the Father was God himself. You think about that. God's not against capital punishment. He required it. That was a sentence. You could say, oh, yeah, but well, Jesus now has changed everything. Really? We're more of a murderous people now than ever. That's why ladies here. They think, oh, okay, we're enlightened and Jesus paid the price and we don't have to have capital punishment anymore. As Chapit says, it doesn't deter. Yes, I agree with that. It doesn't deter. If you live 20 more years, we need expediency. I got off the airplane, got on a bus to go to the car lot to get my truck. After a trip, a black lady's driving it. Nobody else is on there. This was years ago, and some news was about somebody who's going to be on the death penalty in Georgia. She starts talking about it. She said, I tell you what, if my son kills somebody and he gets sentenced to the electric chair, then that's what needs to happen. And she says, you know what? With DNA, there's no mistakes about it no more. They can prove it, DNA. I was amazed. But she's right. Can I interject something also? Um, we have a prisoner 
that has been on our mailing list for probably 20 years. He murdered somebody, and he's in prison for life. And he came to know Our Lady in the midst of this and got on our mailing list, went through conversion, and would write to a friend of Medjugorje on a regular basis. And those letters really touched us. That He was fed through this mission, through what a friend of Medjugorje wrote, and he would follow the mission closely. But a couple of years ago, he wrote... And he said, I can't stand this anymore. I can't stand the cursing. I can't stand the noise, the darkness that's surrounding me, the gray walls. He goes on. He said, I don't think I'm going to make it. And a friend of Medjugorje wrote him back and said, invite me to come to your prison. I will come. I'll speak there. I will bring Our Lady's messages. See what you can do to... Invite me to come. We've never heard from him again in the last two years. My thought is, what is more merciful so he doesn't have capital punishment? And the prisons are getting more and more filled, overcrowded. Is that more merciful to have somebody have a life of that? He was in his 20s when he committed this murder. And he could have repaired for what he did in his conversion and be in heaven. But will he receive salvation if he despairs? And that's to me, is a greater travesty than if he had received the death penalty. Well, in this such, we can't advocate for what you're saying, because if his sentence is 20 years or life, whatever, all authority is from God. So this individual... We have to respect what's been sentenced because that's from God. What I would advocate is a quick trial, not appeals for 20 years, but being given the death penalty, they have to go within six months. Bundy was a wicked, wicked man, killed many women. James Dobson went and videoed him, and he said why he did what he did, but he came to Christ. Do you know how many people come to Christ on death row? And that you're cheating these people of being converted when they can stay there five years, 10, 15, 20 years. There's no appointment with death. The death penalty for these people is a grace. There is people that made it to heaven, like Clyde Newman in the book, Ain't Gonna Happen. The guy murdered, cold-blooded, another black guy. Clyde was black. It was an atrocious thing. And, of course, the stories, it ain't going to happen. It's an incredible story because he was sentenced to death and he changed so much that even the sheriff went to the governor to give him a pardon. And when he came back to delay it for two weeks, Clyde was upset, very upset, because he fell in love with Our Lady. Our Lady had appeared to him. It's an incredible story. We did all the research on it. He knew he was going to go to heaven. He was ready. There's so many people who are beast that would never convert without a deadline. This is cruel to these people, and many of them will stay in prison and never have the pressure that, hey, I'm going to meet my maker. When they revived the death penalty in Mississippi, the news media is making a big deal. The guy's black, you know, how bad it was. When he was on his way to death row, a newsman asked him, what do you think about this injustice? He says, injustice? If I stayed in prison, I would have killed somebody else or got killed sooner or later. 
I made peace with my maker. Don't you get this common sense? Don't you realize that? And the highest price can be paid for these crimes is your own life. Anybody against the death penalty has a low value of life. Bill Clark was a judge in California. When Ronald Reagan became governor, he gave him a position. And so there were several cases. There was one case they had to decide, and Ronald Reagan didn't know if he should give a pardon. Bill Clark and him prayed all night. And at the end of it, his answer was, this guy needs to be executed. There's a case in there that they cite. What Chaput says, this is not a deterrent. What Pope Francis says, that we can control these people, is a lie. They may not know they're lying, but this is all orchestrated from the United Nations, from communism, from all these agendas, and the deep state. They're part of this. Do you know what these state just did? They're bringing laws now in different states to stop hangings. What is that about? Nobody gets hanged now. When is the last time you heard somebody being hanged? See, they know those laws are still on the books. Why do they want to remove them when nobody's getting hung? Because they know when we find out what they've done, there may be a lot of people get hung because it's so bad what they're doing. It's all going to come out. That's what Q book is about. That's what I was here for. Does she want people hung? No, we want them to convert. But for the atrocities and the crime to overthrow this country, there is serious issues. By trying to get these laws off the books, they're saying what they're concerned with for the measure of what their crime and how serious it is that they know it can be applied to them. There's no other explanation for that. You have the Rosenberg trials after World War II. They were condemned to death. You know who was going up for the prayer meetings, calling the churches? It was the communists. They were out there fighting against this death penalty. Because if they execute them, they may be executing others. President Eisenhower said these two people increased the possibility of atomic war by what they did. And that might have condemned tens of millions of people to death. And so he says the execution of two people is a great matter. But it's a graver matter is the thought of millions of people who died. And he said that's exactly what these two spies did. And they executed them in 1953, June 19th. And the deep state knows history. So I want to pose this question to you. Why is the deep state, everybody on the left, trying to get rid of the hanging laws? Answer that to yourself. You have to peer into this to understand what these people are doing. And so going back to what I was referencing a little while ago about Reagan and Clark, there's only one thing for many of these people to bring them to God is that that they have an appointment that they can have the grace of knowing 60 days from now, I'm going to the electric chair. I'm going to be there. You think they reflect? That's why Bundy changed. He had an appointment. This is a grace. If you still disagree with me, listen to what's in the book, The Judge, about Bill Clark and Ronald Reagan. So Judge Clark made the following observations regarding a specific case that supports the need for the state to have the right to give a verdict for the death penalty. He wrote, In order to faithfully implement the intent of the legislature in this case, we must remind ourselves of the evil to be remedied by death penalty statute. 
There is no better way of doing so than by review of the facts of this case. I want to stop you right now, just for a moment, because I want the people listening to this to listen to this and concentrate on what's been said. Because this is the one argument, just this one case proves everything I'm talking about. In 1975, in Anaheim, defendant brutally murdered Earl Reed for a dollar and 75 cents. Reed choked on his own blood after defendant first beat and then smothered him. When defendant went to Reed's room that night, he intended, by his own admission, to rob Reed and then murder him, quote, just so I could get away with it, unquote, the robbery. Defendant had, he admitted, no other motive for killing Reed. In 1977, prior to defendant's trial for the Reed murder, defendant was convicted of two other murders in Michigan. One of his Michigan victims was Norma Maxham, a 75-year-old woman from whom he rented a room. When Mrs. Maxim asked defendant to move out of the room, he beat her until she was unconscious, tore off her clothes, bound her with electrical cord, and hanged her by the neck. After waiting until he was certain of his victim's death, defendant left the house to buy pizza and beer. He returned to the room, and in the presence of the still-hanging corpse, ate the pizza, drank the beer, took a shower, and watched a football game on television. While in jail in Michigan awaiting trial for the Maxim murder, defendant hanged a fellow inmate. Defendant admits having committed at least two other murders, but states he has no idea of the total number of persons he has killed. He explains his incomplete recall by comparing the act of murder to drinking a cup of coffee. A month from now, defendant notes, one is not likely to remember having drunk a cup of coffee today. Defendant claims he can easily make a knife while in jail and will knife a guard if given the opportunity. Nothing the prison officials can do with Dieter him, defendant insists. If released from jail, defendant intends to return to his, quote, everyday type of life, unquote. This is the person, the majority, free from the gas chamber, modifying his sentence to life imprisonment with possibility of parole by imputing to the legislature the intention not to have the 1977 death penalty statute apply retroactively, which provided for life without possibility of parole as an alternative to the previously mandatory death penalty. A review of the recent history of death penalty legislation in California reveals the utter absurdity of the majority's conclusion. That ended what Judge Clark wrote, and then it follows, saying, Clark had essentially argued that the state was failing to protect its citizenry from this out-of-control, determined killer, leaving no option but execution. So long as the California court was allowing a possibility for Reed to strike yet again, the state was not protecting its citizens. Even so, 
the majority of the court voted against Clark's conclusion. The church is always taught that society has capital punishment because it has a right to defend its citizens. This guy said what he was going to do. He's waiting for another murder trial, and he hangs a prison mate. And he says, I'll do it again. I know how to make a knife out of the bed. I can do that. We have statements that, oh, well, this doesn't happen. We can protect. You cannot. It is a grace for this guy because it's the only opportunity that would make him reflect, is there a God? You had years ago in Texas, a woman who murdered brutally some people, really bad, bad things. She got the death penalty. She converted. She became a light in the whole prison, started converting everybody. And she would not appeal because she said, I deserve that. But on death row, this made her come to know God and Jesus. Even the wardens and the people in the prisons tried to get her a stay of execution. She says, no, I'm ready to go meet my maker. This is my deserved punishment. And she was a light to everybody. Do you think she would have that if she stayed on the streets? We are backwards. We're letting our shepherds are telling us things that is not logical. And that's what this theologian said, the Dominican, that it's got to follow the logic of past teachings. And here it is, Francis is throwing away two millennials of teachings from the early church. But forget all those other arguments. Just ask yourself, the ultimate price that had to be paid for our sins and every sin ever committed. And who demanded capital punishment? That didn't come from man. Jesus had the power not to do that. God had the power to do it. But he says, I require that. So you're going against God. There's no other argument you can present to me all the way from high school, all the way from grammar school. It's just common sense. So don't buy into this push right now because the deep state knows they're getting exposed and they will do everything to save their life. This is a very important topic that a friend of Medjugorje is covering in today's special World Report. In just a moment, a friend of Medjugorje will conclude today's broadcast. But first, we want to take a moment to mention that these broadcasts are supported by listeners like you. Without your generous support, we cannot continue to offer these illuminating words from a friend of Medjugorje free of charge. Radio Wave broadcasts all across the world, in over 160 countries, spanning every social class changing hearts and supporting conversions through God's grace. Our Lady needs your help for us to reach many more people. Become a Caritas Field Angel and support the work of Our Lady for just $5 a month, a small and unburdened amount to give for saving souls. When making your generous donation, please mention today's broadcast. Thank you. Contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. When dialing from outside the United States, dial 001-205-672-2000. Or visit medj.com, spelled M-E-J dot com, and click on Donate. Thank you. Now, here is a friend of Medjugorje to conclude today's broadcast. 
See, as LA's children, we're different. Give me my liberator or give me death. We have a deep state that are tyrants. They want to run over you. They want to enslave you. They want globalization. It's all there. Climate change is all part of it. If you can't see the circle, then you're blind. You're not praying. You're not fasting. So that's what I wrote. Tyrants reign will always end disastrous defeat. Ours in glory. We willingly give our life while they unwillingly pay with theirs. They're not willing to pay with their life. But we are. That's the difference. And we're pro-life. Because we believe. And we'll continue to believe in the capital punishment that God paid for our crimes through His Son. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us life. Wish you a lady. We love you. Goodbye. This ends the Radio Wave broadcast with a friend of Megagoria. These broadcasts are available as CDs, which are sent directly to your doorstep on a monthly subscription. For information, contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000.